0: Cliffcentral.com.
1: Okay. Are you ready for a busy morning with Brett? What's going on over there, Brett? Brett. Uh, no idea. I've taken
2: a leaf out of, uh, out of Gord's book and I don't listen to anybody about anything that's going on in the world. And I, he's right. I'm, I've got peace.
1: But it might Actually, be that I visited
2: it. the Druid once or twice and he gave me one or two sort of spiritual in, enlightening. Uh, in the uh, you're the Druid. You're the Druid. You Oh, druid, my druid.
0: Oh, Druid, right? Gotcha. I thought you said you went to Madrid and found peace. I was like, I've <laughs> been the, the first peace. person.
1: Yeah. Brett, what's um, What's going on on the shirt, though? That's what I want to know. What are those? What are those, What
0: are the? Those are parrots. Oh wow! Yeah, I was gonna say you. Were, I was gonna say you're wearing a ballad today.
2: No, I'm wearing uh, Beth dressed me again. So um, that's my excuse for looking like a clot. But you know. It is what it is. There's some sort of representation that I'm supposed to talk about, but I have no idea what any of it means, parrots being humans and repeating stuff. I don't know.
1: And, uh, and your hair has got so long, it's coming out of the sides of your, of your, of your hat there and over the headphones. It's, yeah.
2: It's, this is my, uh, my uh, uprising against COVID lockdown. I refuse to cut okay. my hair until, until we're three people. That'll show. So basically it. you're going
1: to look like hey, Samson. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, except if I take the hat off, there's sort of pieces of it missing, you know, to, uh, and it, it only grows on the sides and on my back it and, the clown vibe. and a little bit out of my ears, because that's a Jewish thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we, call it, we call it a bro, right? Yeah. Uh, Sad, but all right. true.
0: So okay, have so really, Brent to do a, a, a news fast? And if so, how's it been? Uh, you come again. Have you really been trying to do a news fast? And if so, how's it gone? How's it been? Yeah, I've, I've,
2: I, I, I've a long time already, probably the better part of two years since I really spent any time listening to the news. Uh, very much the same story as yours. Whatever you need to know will come through to you. Uh, the rest of the time, I really, you know, you know what you remove out of the equation is all the fluff. I don't listen. I don't hear about ministers hitting other ministers or other people with the extension cords or ministers having parties that they shouldn't be having or people that are telling me I'm not allowed to go to the bottle store, going to the bottle store. Because that kind of stuff riles you up, but there's absolutely no benefit to having and that knowledge.
0: Not just that, but the conversation around it. So, any yeah, exactly. person shat in some other person's elevator yesterday, and now people are arguing over whose yeah. fault it is and what it means. It's like, guys, it doesn't even matter that it happened. Knowing that doesn't matter. But now yeah. I talk about it or Telling yeah. everyone your opinion, it's like, God.
2: Yeah, oh. agreed. Uh, it also seems to... Sorry, go ahead. What, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was, I was just going to say, it also seems to weed out some of the sort of circle of friends that, that hang around for that kind of conversation, which... Uh, you really kind of
1: probably don't need around you that much. You know what happened in the old days? It was hard to get all the news because you would, first of all, have to receive a newspaper, which not everybody in the world got. And then you would have to read that newspaper from cover to cover, which most people didn't have time to do. And it was almost a matter of pride that educated men in Western democracies would talk about the news with each other not just to show off how much they knew, but also to test how much the people that they thought were their equals knew. Yeah. So it was a bit of a social thing. And yeah. these days that obviously doesn't count because news is ubiquitous. Anyone with a cell phone has suddenly got access to news. So the value of it has dropped in terms of social cachet. Yeah. And I don't think we need to have all that much news anymore. As Mbulela um, pointed out earlier, the fact is that throughout most of history and most of civilization, um, most human beings didn't know what the hell was going on, even a, a village away, let alone in the whole world. And now, we, we, what are we all going to pretend that we are deeply, deeply concerned about what's going on in Senegal or in Sri Lanka or in Suriname? And that's just the letter S that I can think about. <laughs> when, when we don't even know what's going on often in our own neighborhoods. So. Yeah. Let's get into politics this morning. I think this is really interesting. So we're tackling a big one today and, and, and Brett kind of has thought of all the alternatives before we've spoken about some pretty interesting alternatives, but how can we, how can we get to the next level on something like politics? Because you say you don't listen to news and I agree. And I think that's quite a sensible approach. And I know Gord doesn't love politics either, but. What can we do about it? I mean, have you been thinking about the alternatives here? What we could do differently? How we could arrange society differently? How we could have um, leadership behave differently?
2: Well, yeah,
1: I think about it a lot.
2: Uh, I think that it's, look, we don't really have time to, to get into too much detail. I think at that very rough strokes, I think that we need to think about smaller governments. I think we need to not underestimate mankind's ability to group himself uh, we do it all the time. If you look around, churches have groupings, uh, social uh, uh, perhaps clubs, uh, sort of uh, crafts, hobbies, uh, beer halls. There's all sorts of ways that people can organize themselves. Some of them are, are drunk uh, get together, Some of them are real legitimate, almost uh, political organizations where people uh, measure each other, other, judge each other, and uh, and look after each other. So I don't think you need massive centralised government. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very anti centralization in any form. I think centralization, whether it be in a corporate environment, in a supply of goods to, to the people environment or in a political environment, is a dangerous thing.
1: Um, the moment you centralise things, you centralise empowerment. Last week you were talking about cryptocurrency, and we know that one of the reasons that is bound to work better is because it is decentralised. right. 100%. So so and uh, and IT actually gives us quite a lot of
2: uh, quite a lot of insight into how this can work um uh, the when i grew up uh, in in the 80s and early 90s when the the internet really burst onto the scene and uh, and personal computers really took off where people where the software started getting strong enough to, to really uh, drive almost every aspect of our lives. Uh we were dominated by a company called Microsoft in the in the PC uh, in the PC world as everybody knows. Um, and it was centralized power and, uh, and nothing could get distributed from there. And uh, uh, it was very proprietary. You had to buy the software. Bill Gates has, uh, has been lambasted on many occasions. But one of the things he's, he never seen, that never seems to get mentioned is when he was a youngster and he, 18 or 19 years old, he actually wrote an open letter to the hobbyist community Lamenting the fact that software was being given away, and that he felt that software should be paid, paid for. So he's always sort of had that kind of outs- uh, uh, outlook on life, which is very different to my outlook on life. But it, you know, you're allowed to have whatever your outlook yeah. is. Uh, once he got into power, he found a goon named Steve Ballmer, and between the two of them, they just absolutely ravaged the world. Uh, and uh, and power was centralized, software was centralized. You had to pay for everything. It was a mess. Very good.
0: They also, I mean, revolutionized technology and and kicked the world in the ass twenty years forward. You know, like it's not as if it's, it's not as if there were not massive innovations that drastically affected the way people were able to do things for that little price. Oh, right. I'd love to have this conversation because
2: uh, I can wax lyrical for hours,
0: but we're really not going to have time for me to get into that. But just uh, in short, do you think that without Microsoft, we wouldn't have been way further back overall? They didn't handholding uh,
2: absolutely. I absolutely do. And I'll tell you why. If you just listen to sort of where I'm taking the, the conclusion of this current conversation, what's happened in the world, just like I said to you a couple of weeks ago, the drugs won the war on drugs. Um, open source software won the war on software. Today, even Microsoft is an open source house. All software innovation comes out of the open source world and every single software company uh, goes and hires their people that uh, are the best in the open source environment and they fund open source development and almost all uh, software development or a hell of a lot of software development today is done in the open, in an open source model. Um, and the reason I bring that up in a political conversation is because it, it gives some very good insights into how you could run the world in a true meritocracy uh, without necessarily even a vote. In a lot of the open source, big open source projects, there's no voting at all. There's what they call a big benevolent dictator, which is a dangerous concept. We can talk about it in depth, but effectively, if you can find one person who really is passionate about what they do and really has the right uh, values to drive your project forward in this point in time, because you know time is, is an important input into this whole thing, that person can make decisions in an autocracy that that are better than mm-hmm. a democracy where the thing gets very thin very
1: quickly. Yeah. But- I mean, already the alarm bells are going off. Yeah, because, sure, sure. You know, benevolent dictators are the rarest creatures in 100%. all of this. And 100%. when they do it, they do Benevolently to dictate. Well, well I, you
0: know, I think we've just bastardized I, the word dictate. But I'll tell you what the... In, in terms of the colloquial term, I fully understand that. Benevolent dictate. And Aku's totally in charge and wants the best for everyone and does his best. Right. But, I mean, it is kind of an oxymoron in the sense of someone having all the power... For the benefit of everybody,
2: but I think you do get it. I think the real risk, uh, and I think Gareth was about to go there. The, the real risk here yeah, is that it's going to die, move on, get old, get bored, whatever the case is, and the next actor who comes in isn't him <laughs> or her or whoever. No. And then you've given this power structure to someone that can really, really uh, uh, take advantage of it. So that's a real, real, real risk, and you've got to work out solutions. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not suggesting for a moment that we run the world by benevolent dictators. What I'm trying to say is if we shrink down the power structures to very, very small little units, each unit can decide how it wants to run its thing. And in some cases, a benevolent dictator might be the best way to run that unit, just like you have in the open source world, and in churches, and in beer halls, and in craft markets, and in all sorts of other places. There are many, many, many human structures that we depend on on a daily basis that are controlled by one person, millions of them. In fact, until just 20 years ago, the Federal Reserve in the US, which arguably is the most influential financial institution in the world, was effectively a dictatorship. Uh, it, it's only in recent times where we've started looking at this thing going, wait a second, that thing's had to change.
1: I think you'll struggle to find anyone who's going to criticize the idea that smaller, more localized controls aren't better than big ones. Because obviously, the bigger they are, the more unwieldy they become, the more interests they have to 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 consider under their own umbrella the the more competing interests they have the more money there is to be stolen if you have small i mean like you know if if your business is only 10 people big it's easier to run than a business that's a thousand people big you might not be as successful but you can run it better you can cut costs you can look after your your employees um local municipalities i mean there there have been city states in history that have been run very well Um, the first democracy ever was a city-state in Athens. They would actually, everybody who lived in Athens would meet, uh, I think it was once a week, and they'd vote about whatever was going on. And it was the, look, it was only the men at that stage, but every man in the city had to get there. They all had a vote. They all had a say. They're all equal. And they got to decide what would happen with the city. And it it made Greece a world superpower eventually because the same model was copied by other Greek city-states. And there's no doubt that the smaller and more localized the government is, the better it is. And the more it delivers. Like, you know, if, if you have a good local government, you don't have potholes. Uh, trains run on time. Um, people, people there are less unemployed and homeless people. All of the stuff, that the little things that actually make a society better get run better. But if you have a terrible local municipality or a terrible, a terrible local authority, it's a disaster. Agreed. But if we – if we, so there's a lot to think about, yeah,
2: and a hell of a lot to unpack, like I said. I think that to change the world, we've got to change – we can't change the political structure without changing our thinking, without changing our culture, if you like, our outlook on life. We need to probably go back to core values and start assessing what's actually important, what do we value, because we're living in a world at the moment where we value consumerism and where we value lots of money, and where we're calling success uh, – power or money. You know, you mm. actually used the word just now as a good example. For a company to be successful, at has to have scale and it has to have size. Um, and that's probably the wrong way to be looking at this. I think that geography should probably be tying us down a lot more than it does. And I can think of no good reason why I should be able to live in Cape Town and see a Starbucks and a McDonald's and a Wendy's uh, just the same as if I was living in New York. I mean, surely Cape Town can make hamburgers and, and coffee. Why do we need to import American, uh, American products? Or oh, any other country. It's not a, this is an attack on America. The point is that geography could probably tie it to a very large extent. I think that uh, if we look at capitalism, which is without a doubt a very good model, the enemy of capitalism is monopoly, just like the enemy of, uh, of uh, communism is bureaucracy. Uh, yeah, in South Africa we seem to be celebrating both. But be that as it may, um, we, we need to have structures in place. If we're going to keep a, 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 a capitalist system we need to stop thinking that capitalism, the, the pinnacle of capitalism, is monopoly. Because when we start talking about large organizations or really, really powerful organizations, we're talking about monopoly at face value. There's just no ways about it. Um, and that's a terrible
1: thing that destroys. Right. I, I, I want to cut to the chase, though, because as much as I like these, uh, the, these alternatives that you're suggesting, I've got to find out right at the beginning of this discussion, because I think this informs everything about the way people feel politically. Are you one of those people, Brett and Gord? And I want to know from you too if you're listening, you can email us, you can message us on the on the board right now, or you can send us a, a WhatsApp on 0797482090. Here's the question. Do you think A, that it is possible for humans to form a perfect society? Because there are people who think that, and I th- I think they're wrong, but maybe you think that it's possible for us to perfect society. Number two, do you believe humans are inherently good? Or evil? Because the, the answer to that will also determine whether or not you ever believe that a government will be able to deliver things. I mean, you, you talk about the benevolent dictators. You're assuming then that there is some human being who has more good in them than bad. And maybe people are born that, maybe, that way. Maybe they, they, they're raised that way. Maybe it's nature versus nurture. But if you do believe, as many people do, that human nature is inherently a bad thing, then really humans should just look after themselves individually in small family groups, and we should never put another human being in charge of us. (laughs) Look, I think that uh, those are complicated questions. I think to
2: start off with point one, uh, can we have a perfect society? Um, No, but we can have a perfect society now. So it will always, time decays everything, but we can have a society that's not perfect for everybody, but perfect for a hell of a lot of the people right now. And okay. that can, that can change over time and who that society is will change. Just like at one point, Athens was a great place to be. Today, yeah. Athens is not such a great place to be. Yeah. Uh, depending on where you are in Athens, I suppose. Um, the, the, you know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, if we have a look at, bee colonies all over the world. I don't know enough about bees, but I'm imagining that all bee colonies work in pretty much the same system. Maybe they have like a queen bee and a couple of worker bees and maybe one or two bees that have got machine guns that look after the, the queen bee and there's a structured society and then how it works, it's built into their DNA and there's no squabbling about it. If you wake up and you that odd fucking unlucky bee that wakes up and decides, right, I want change. Well, you're not gonna drive much change in a bee society because they've got structure about how it needs to work. Humans, yeah. uh, we blessed or cursed with the ability to decide how we want to build our structures. So um, that makes things complicated, very complicated. Um, and so there'll never be a perfect uh, society because there'll always be people that believe that it should be different. Um, yeah. so, but you can, for a brief moment in time, have a really, really great society. And there have been many examples of them um, over the years. Uh, even America, which today is not so great, uh, perhaps straight after the war, or maybe even a little bit before the war, uh, had some good times, had some good values. If we look at what the founding fathers wrote down and, and the original, uh, constitution, there's
1: some outstanding values in there. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I think there were some people that, there, there's, there's some, a lot of, a lot of population. Yeah, go ahead.
1: There's some great, there are great ideas there that actually survived the test of time and that are still as relevant now as they were then, and that's what I'm I'm asking about. Gord, do you think you can perfect society?
0: Um, well, no. I think it's a it's a, it's something that you look at on a larger time scale. I think if you look at, I've mentioned Hans Hans Rosling's book um, Factfulness before about how people see the day to day bad news, but not the long term growth and improvements in pretty much all metrics, barring health of the planet. And also, right. if you look at if you look at the evolution of mankind in terms of like not only our technology and our knowledge and all of that, but just in terms of the brutality that's acceptable. I think if humankind gets through a phase now where we sort of at a at like max Q in a rocket launch, the period of maximum pressure where thrust and air pressure meet, if we can get past that and survive as a species for a few more hundred years and not like devastate ourselves and continue on a positive trajectory. I think a perfect society as in one where everybody's accepting and tolerant and these norms like to live the way we do now, 5,000 years ago with politeness and not carrying a sword and all of that kind of thing is completely incomprehensible back then. So (laughs) now what we're doing in 5,000 years or even 500 years, I hope is incomprehensible in that it's barbaric. So I think there's a perfect society. Humankind has the capacity to be a lot better and will if we get that far. And then I think people are inherently good, but I think we're trying to transcend being creatures of will. As you mentioned, and creatures of, and bees who want to bite things and shit everywhere. We're in a transition from the one to the other. And we'll always have characteristics of one and the other. That's my opinion.
1: All right. Well, I mean, listen, we're not going to solve all these problems today. Mm-hmm. And that's, I keep saying that whenever we speak to Brett, but, you know. Oh, I no to... utopian society this week. Sorry, not this week. But kind. we can try. And, and I think that the key lies somewhere in in also harnessing the power of of technology, because a a lot of the stuff that we need government for can probably be done quite well by machines in the future and will limit the size of government. You know, um, I think it was Ronald Reagan who said the scariest words any citizen can ever hear is, we're from the government and we're here to help. (laughs) So, yeah, that's frightening. Look,
2: I, I, I can't think of a lot of things we need government for at all, to be honest with you, in the modern world. Uh, we need a judici- judiciary, um, and how that needs to be run is is an interesting question because it certainly can't be run by government. We've seen what happens when it's run by government. Um, globally, it probably is, but uh, be that as it may, we need a judiciary that's independent of everything else, effectively, so that uh, whatever laws you got in the country or whatever we've agreed, the laws need to be, and especially the constitution of your of your system needs to be implemented by an independent body. But beyond that, I really can't think of a lot of things that government needs to bring to the party. Um, You need some kind of police force or some kind of army to protect yourself with because let's face it, as Gord was alluding to, and it's never going to change in my opinion, uh, you do need the threat of violence. You need to uh, know that you will be arrested and beaten in the street. Um, and forced into a van if, uh, if you completely just sort of flagrantly ignore everything about the law, unless of course you're a politician. Everybody else needs to know that. Um, and that, that needs to, the, the threat needs to be there, even if you never have to implement the threat. Um, but exactly how we implement those pieces, well, there's a lot to unpack and discuss over there. But beyond that, big projects like we used to have 50 years ago, you needed a rail line or you needed, uh, network infrastructure you needed roads or you know whenever i have this conversation one of the first questions that comes up is who will build the roads the the roads are privatized already the money is just coming from government but the people who are building the roads roads is is private businesses that we can tell them that there's things we can do to make the whole thing work with much much smaller structure at the top
1: well monrabisi is agreeing with you he says let's make governments around the world obsolete because we don't need them anymore nikita has an interesting point of view she's in australia she says no society is perfect but i've lived in australia for almost a year and i can say that things work here because people in general look out for each other despite politicians they adhere to rules because they acknowledge that it's the best for their fellow citizens and of course that is the point is it you know where my rights end yours begin um, and and if your if your bubbles of rights keep them bumping into each other, this is a real political theory, by the way. It's it's probably a bit boring. I'm not going to go down that road. But yes, Nikita, you make a good point. Uh, Tracy says humans are competitive by nature, and that is the biggest hindrance to a perfect society. Entitlement is another one.
2: Yeah, I think all of those are good points. I think just to get back to Nikita, those are some interesting points she's got there. And it is a it is a uh, a mainstay of Australian society, and part of the reason why they've been so successful. Uh, however, I mean, there was a big, big uproar and furor just a week ago when um, some really nasty information came out about uh, Australians in Iraq, I think it is, or yes. Afghanistan, uh, killing civilians as part of the initiation process. Uh, you've got to ask some questions, what the hell are they doing there in the first fucking place? Um, and then you, you can also start to see exactly like uh, I forget the name of the second person that your third person you read out over there was saying entitlement that that's effectively comes back to that. What happens is once these societies, once we start uh, saying it's an Australian society and therefore Australians have a better society, it becomes a nationalist mindset. You start thinking that you're uh, better than anybody else and you start enforcing your views, laws attitude onto other people and so that's definitely not the direction I think we want to take it in while Australia at this point in time might be a nice place to live especially if you've taken the energy and the effort to emigrate from where you are now to go and live over there um, you're getting reward for what you've been given but I don't think those are the values that are going to last us another 500 years as Gord was saying.
1: No. And and some humans do like rules and other humans prefer to operate in an environment. That's very much. We are very,
2: very different as as societies, but we do find our people. We do always hang with people that we like and that we can enjoy the the company with. And that comes back to very, very small structures that can uh, make decisions on our behalf. And if you don't like the society you're in and it's a small geographical structure, you can move.
0: But that's true of also all relationships. You were Absolutely. saying you find your people that you get along with in that. Um, you know, it, it's better to have higher quality. I've, uh, lockdown has taught me this uh, and, and leaving Facebook and all the news fast, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it's better to have fewer, higher quality relationships that you put more effort into than kind of vaguely have some bullshit digital social interaction with thousands of people you sometimes have met and sometimes haven't. Yeah, 100%. And government would work in a
1: similar way, I think. Have your 100%. actual
0: best interests at heart.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone is on the other side of that argument. I mean, unless they've, unless they've got no sense of meaning. So we have lots of alternatives. Every single week we explore another one, and this week is no different with Brett Cohen from uh, the grass, uh, gas company. And, of course, the gas company um, are located in Gauteng, but they, they really do amazing stuff. It's not just supplying an alternative form of energy. You can find out more by going to our website cliffcentral.com and all the links are there for you to check out what they do that's why we got brett on he thinks differently to other people so thank you dude thanks Gareth. good to see you again thanks madrid thank you right. brett, man okay. I'll and, um, next week. yeah we Please. can't wait for the next shirt
0: <laughs> i'll go uh, shopping
2: on the weekend just to live up to expectations
0: if the other one was screaming hair metal this one is one of those power rock battles that like uh, ballads that like white snakes sing where you hold up your lighters and then burn them. Then you die. Oh,
2: <laughs> buddy, you're killing me. I suck music to my ears. Eh?
0: I think, um, I'm gonna look, I'm going to get all of you to start singing at the end of the show. Everybody has song. its dawn. <laughs> every day has its dawn.
2: There we go. More yeah. of that. Eh? You actually got quite a yeah. nice
0: voice. I think you should
2: start No, I really don't. I just want <laughs> to Beautiful. Gareth, you're still not quite fully awake, but I must say you put up some, uh, some pretty good conversation for someone half asleep.
1: No, I'm I'm awake. I I oh, just woke awake? up. You know how when you wake up, sometimes the 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 adrenaline that oh god I've overslept. That sometimes yeah. is the best way to wake up. You you just do power through your whole day. Yeah. So <laughs> you're like,
0: you like opened your eyes, clipped on your hair, wiped your face, and was straight on air with us. Like you yeah. were, when you started talking, you were asleep forty five seconds before that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, guys, good, good to see you all. Thanks Unplayable, you. Gareth. Good
2: to see you. I'll see you next
0: week, mate.
1: Cool Bray. Thanks, cheers. cheers.
0: Cliffcentral.com